Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Good evening, everybody. Happy Friday night. This is Jay Scott. This is the Hook Rocks, the Ultimate Rock Community Podcast. Hope everyone's having a great day, a better day than yesterday. Hope everybody's staying healthy, staying safe, doing what they need to do. I keep repeating myself every episode, but it is what it is. It is the reality of what we are living in, or most of us are living in. And hopefully it'll be over soon for a lot of us and the new normal will begin, whatever that is. I know in Illinois, where I'm from, outside of Chicago, we have until at least the end of May that we're ordered to be at stay-at-home lockdown. I know a lot of people may not be listening to that or maybe doing their own thing, but hopefully enough people are doing it as to where this virus slows down and it peaks and it doesn't affect as many people as they anticipate. Nevertheless, we are doing another classic album rewind. Last week, we did Iron Maiden's The Number of the Beast. Got some great feedback from all of you. Thank you very much. This week, we are doing, in my opinion, the greatest debut album of all time, Van Halen 1. This is an album that really didn't have any influences tied to the music that was recorded on this album. If you listen to this record and you are aware of what was before this, it didn't have any, or at least it doesn't sound like it has, any influences that would... make you say, well, hey, it sounds like this album or it sounds like this band. Van Halen 1 sounded like nothing before, and it changed the game in rock history. Listen to the guitar players that existed before this album and released stuff after this album was was recorded. They sound completely different. The tone had changed. Distortion became the new thing. Eddie Van Halen started a whole generation of shred guitar players, whether it's Joe Satriani to Jason Becker to Marty Friedman to Richie Kotzen and everyone in between. He started that. Look at the difference in Neil Sean's playing prior to Van Halen 1 to after. Guitar players felt released from the norm, what was expected of them. 
And that's why it's such an important record in rock history. There's, there was nothing like it before. It changed the game. The moment you dropped the needle on that vinyl or you played the cassette in your car, or maybe even 8-track was around as well, it blew your ears off. It was insane. It was intense. From the beginning of Running With The Devil, the intro to the end of Ice Cream Man, which I think was the end on their later releases, but I think I want to say On Fire was originally the last song on the album. There has still been nothing like it since it was released. A lot of people like to say Appetite for Destruction that came several years after Van Halen 1 is the greatest debut of that era, of that L.A. scene. It's not. I know it's my opinion, and I know I'm not basing it on any factual information. But listen to both records, back-to-back, and they're both phenomenal records. Appetite's a phenomenal album, but Appetite didn't change the game as much as Van Halen 1 did. It didn't influence the legion of guitar players that came after that album. When you think about the introduction to this album, Running With The Devil, with the spaceship-like intro into the thumping bass and into the howling David Lee Roth before the first lyric was sung, it's incredible. It's unbelievable. My personal story with this album, I was a young, young kid growing up in the early 80s. I'd already had heard Journey Escape, which was the first rock record that I had heard. I talk about that in the introduction to The Hook Rocks, our very first episode. And my brother had borrowed another record. I don't know if it was borrowed or a relative left it over or or how it got into the house, but you have to remember in the 80s, Van Halen was the shit. Every young boy, every young male was into Van Halen. There were t-shirts, there were painter's caps, there was, they were all over. They were larger than life, they were huge. I had yet to see them. I had yet to hear them. I heard about them constantly with my brother and his friends talking with the neighbors who had a teenage kid in high school and I, and and I saw the t-shirts, you know, with the lion or with the VH on it. I saw the diver down sticker was prevalent. So I don't know if it was before Diver Down or after it was released, but it was probably 81, 82, so probably before. I was in kindergarten or first grade maybe second grade probably probably first grade or kindergarten and my brother at the time was in fifth grade or sixth grade and he had this record in the house and I knew it was in his room and I was just chomping at the bit to listen to this record and I was home one day I don't know if because my brother and I went to the same school we were both we were both raised, you know, in, in Catholic school. 
So I don't know why I had the half day and he didn't. I don't know if it was something because of the age group or the class or, you know, because I was in first grade or kindergarten or maybe I had a doctor appointment or something and my mom pulled me out early. Nevertheless, I found myself at home at lunchtime. And I was watching Great Space Coaster, which was kind of like this Sesame Street type of cartoon type of thing going. And they, had, I think it was Gary Gannou was on there, and that was my viewing pleasure for the afternoon. I think Courtship of Eddie's Father was on after that. And I think The Hulk with Bill Bixby was on or something. But I was being entertained, and my mom was cleaning the house. So she was going up and down the stairs and the kitchen all over. And I started to lose interest in what I was watching, and I started to look at the record player that was next to the TV in the living room. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, my brother's got that album in his bedroom that I really, really want to hear. But I don't know if I should. And I also, at that very early age, knew that if my mother heard it, And I had yet to hear Van Halen, but I just knew subconsciously that if my mother heard this, I would be in trouble or my mom would have a fit. So, of course, I got off off the couch and I went into my brother's room, grabbed the vinyl, and I took off the Barry Manilow record off the record player, put it in the sleeve like it was supposed to be, and I put the Van Halen record on you know to play it and i grabbed the big super duper headphones that back in the day they looked like some sort of alien tool or whatever that you put over your ears and you listen to them. i mean they were huge and i plugged it into the record player i think i had known to do this because i think i had the grease soundtrack or I had some, I think it was the Star Wars soundtrack that I had. And sometimes my mom wanted me to listen to the headphones because she was on the phone or whatever she was doing. So I put the headphones on, I dropped the needle down for Van Halen, and I laid on my back with my feet up against the, the furniture that held both the TV and the record player. And I heard Running With The Devil. And I was like, what is this? This is this is incredible. What is this? I mean, this is the age of Star Wars. So by this time, at least the first Star Wars movie came out. And I think you know, some other movies like The Black Hole and there was Battlestar Galactica. So when you hear the intro to Running With The Devil, it sounds like a spaceship. And any eight, seven-year-old whatever, yeah, it's a seven or eight. Of course, I'm going to be interested in that because, wow, what the hell is this? This is really cool. And then the opening riff and then David Lee Roth with the howl and the scream and the lyrics and the chorus running with the devil, which, again, I knew I wasn't supposed to be listening to this because I was at Catholic school and the word devil was in the song. And then I heard the guitar solo with the whistle at the end and everything just came crashing down upon me like it changed my life like this was it this what journey didn't do for me van halen one did not i'm not saying that you know journey escape 
was not a great record. It is. It's a fantastic record. It's still one of my favorites. I still connect to it today or connect with it. But Van Halen 1 spoke to me in a way that Escape didn't. It, like, tapped into the inner wild child that was there and I hadn't yet discovered yet. And Running With The Devil just sounds like, this is my song. This is great. This is awesome. Because I was, you know, in Catholic school and I would give the nuns a hard time while I was there and... You know, I wasn't exactly, you know, the, the good school boy. I had the reputation of being a class clown and doing some ridiculous things. And I hadn't had a theme song yet. And I think I found one with Running With The Devil. So I was happy. So the song ended. And then Eruption kicked in. And I didn't know what I was hearing. I didn't know what instrument was being played I think it was guitar but it didn't sound like any guitar I had heard whether it was Journey or whether it was the AM Country that my dad would listen to or you know even the the limited guitar in Barry Manilow music or the Bee Gees that my mom would listen to I had never heard an instrument or any anything sound like this before in my life it sounded like a spaceship was landing in my brain because I had the headphones on and it was going back and forth from the left to the right side and it felt like it was just like penetrating my skull and it was like, oh my God, this is great. Blew me the fuck away. And then you really got me, which I didn't know was a cover at the time. I just knew it was a song by Van Halen. I had no idea that it was a kink song and the kinks I wouldn't discover for a few more years after this, keep in mind, I'm seven, eight years old. Ain't talking about love. I think was the next song after you really got me, which was another powerful, powerful song. I mean, Eddie Van Halen and David Lee Roth were just this incredible combination of musicians that just worked well so well together and I you know of course you know who knew at that time of the difficulties between them but it was just so powerful I mean the first four songs right out of the gate running with the devil eruption you really got me ain't talking about love I knew something was going on and you really got me too with like the breakdown and the sexual overtones with it but you know I wouldn't know that for a few more years as to what exactly that was. And then I'm the one, which was just another fantastic song. And Jamie's crying, atomic punk, feel your love tonight. Ice cream man on fire. The whole album. Ice cream man was another thing. Like I had no idea again, the sexual innuendos about ice cream man at the time. All I knew was dude, they're singing about ice cream. Daily rots talking about pushups got all flavors this is my band this is my band running with the devil ice cream man let's go atomic punk this is this is it and I was off if journey escape 
began my musical journey. Van Halen 1 put it in overdrive because I wanted more instantly. I wanted to listen to any rock band, anything I could get my hands on. And that started to happen as my brother brought more music into the house. I knew he brought Judas Priest, like a mixtape or whatever from one of his friends that had You Got Another Thing Coming and Diamonds and Rust on there. And then I got into Kiss. There was a radio station in Chicago called WMET, which I still say is the greatest radio station that I've ever heard. I know KNAC back in the heyday was a great radio station out in L.A. But WMET, man, played everything from Judas Priest to Van Halen to Journey to Greg Kinban to Tom Petty to Maiden. Played everything. It was awesome. And I would just sit there at night listening to it and checking it out. And some other radio stations, namely WVVX in Chicago, came on later. But that was my gateway. You know, that was how I... Listen to new music, you know, Scorpions, Triumph. Van Halen was just something that I had never heard of before. and I, I think a lot of people were like that too, a lot of young kids, even people that were older. I mean, there's nothing that sounded like this before. There was nothing to give you the idea that music like this was coming. Because when it was released, it was primarily, you know, a singer-songwriter scene, on the radio, I mean, you had Christopher Cross, Kenny Loggins, Billy Joel. I don't know if Rick Springfield was back in the late 70s. I'm not really familiar with that you know, stuff too much. But radio was kind of, yeah. You know, you had the arena rock that started to sound like everything and everything was the same. You know, I like bands like Foreigner and I like bands like Boston, but... You know, after a while, it it really, there was nothing that was really inspiring to a young kid like myself until I heard Van Halen, until I heard Journey Escape prior to that. And Journey Escape, the connection, of course, was because of the piano and the first song, Don't Stop Believing. But Van Halen 1 was just an attitude, it was a swagger. David Lee Roth bending over backwards like he is on the back cover. Who is this guy? Who's this guy screaming and sounding like this and and singing like this? Who is this guy? Who's Eddie Van Halen? How the hell did he learn how to play like that? What's he playing? These were all the things that were going through my head as a young kid. You know, of course, there was Michael Anthony and Alex Van Halen, the brother, which I thought was kind of unique that there were two brothers in a band because I had not known of siblings being in a rock band up until Van Halen. But the music, even before I was able to see them on television, was larger than life. We talk about larger than life characters. We talk about the rock stars. The music was larger than life. It filled the room. It filled your head. It, you know, when I took that album off and I put it back in my brother's room, I tried to remember everything that I heard. I tried to remember what it was that I just listened to. 
so I could keep trying to play it over and over in my head. It's a lot different now. You can pull up a song anytime you want. You can listen to it anytime you want. It's, it was a little different back in the day, especially when you were a young kid, raised Catholic in Catholic school. You had to pick and choose or you had to steal time to find a way to listen to an album. You know, if your mother was on the phone and she wasn't paying attention, your dad was at work or your mother was in the shower or whatever, taking a nap, those times were used wisely. Those times were used to listen to rock and roll with headphones, of course. I still say this album is what created the scene that came after. The Quiet Riots, the Rats, the Motley Crues, all those bands that came out of L.A. would not have existed without Van Halen. I don't think it would have ever reached the levels of popularity without Van Halen. I don't think Def Leppard would have been as popular. I don't think Bon Jovi would have been as popular. I don't think any of those bands would have reached the heights because Van Halen was the gateway and it all started with Van Halen 1. Look at all the lead singers in those bands that came after Van Halen. In some way or another, they are a product of David Lee Roth. Look at all the guitar players that came out of the 80s scene. In some way or another, they are directly influenced or a product of Eddie Van Halen. The background vocals that were so, that had, that had such a presence on the album. Listen to the bands that came after that. Listen to the harmonies the bands tried to do that tried to repl- replicate what Van Halen was or what Van Halen was doing. Look at the stage presence. Look at the stage show. Look at how big those concerts were with Van Halen. And look what bands tried to do after that. Of course, there was Kiss, and Kiss had their explosions and their tanks and all that stuff going on, sure. Van Halen, it was like a party. It was like a giant party. After I heard Van Halen won, a few months later, I think Van Halen was playing Chicago. And that radio station WMET was able to interview David Lee Roth. And wow, this dude was just like he sang. Crazy, wild. Just the atmosphere oozed out of the speakers when he was doing this radio interview. Again, larger than life, and I had yet to see him perform. A few months later, my brother bought Diver Down. And they had that back cover of them playing a show. I don't know where it was. I don't know if it was some festival. I don't remember where the picture was from on the back cover of Diver Down. But here was this cover with a red. It's the diver flag. Red with this this white line going across the album diagonally. So boring yet so cool at the same time. The simplicity of less is more worked. And you flipped it over, you saw the back cover. And then 
I don't know how much longer it was after that, I saw the U.S. Festival with Van Halen. This was in the summer of 83. Bands on the bill besides them were Scorpions, Triumph, Ozzy, Priest, Quiet Riot, Motley Crue. It was the day that hard rock and heavy metal took over. There were so many people there, probably at least 200,000 people, 150, 200,000. And I got to see the mighty Van Halen take the stage. And they opened up with Romeo Delight. I had become more familiar with their catalog by them, of course, and the Cradle Rock. I heard on the radio, I heard Unchained, I heard Mean Street, I heard all that stuff. And I hadn't seen any videos yet because I, I don't think my parents got cable until I was 11. And they had on TV, which I discovered after I had videos in the morning. I saw Pretty Woman, and I saw the Fair Warning videos with So This Is Love and Unchained, Hear About It Later. I think that was the three that they had. I don't know if there was another one. But watching the U.S. Festival was a culmination of a couple of years, which seemed like a lifetime for me as a kid. To see Van Halen on my TV performing, I got to see the assless chaps that David Lee Roth wore. I got to see Eddie Van Halen do things with his hands and fingers that I had not seen a guitar player do before or heard before. Again, it was a party. It was a good time. It felt good watching it. It connected with me again. But that first album, Van Halen 1, in my opinion is the greatest debut rock record in my lifetime. I know Led Zeppelin 1 is one that gets considered, but Led Zeppelin 1 had that heavy blues influence. It's a great album. Led Zeppelin's my favorite band. Guns N' Roses, Appetite for Destruction, great debut album, but it still sounded like elements of things that I heard before. Van Halen, there's nothing that precedes it that would give you any indication this was coming. The world was going to change. Rock music was going to change. And for a whole decade in the 80s, Van Halen was this entity that was always around. I've mentioned in previous episodes how important they were to pop culture. Eddie Van Halen plays on arguably the biggest pop star of all time's record, the biggest record, Thriller. He plays the guitar solo and beat it, and he got no money for it. Look up the story that Quincy Jones tells about Eddie Van Halen. They were mentioned in movies like Back to the Future, Better Off Dead, they were on Saturday Night Live. Again, they were all over. Everybody had rock t-shirts on, especially boys, especially young kids, teenage boys. It was all Van Halen. And then they changed to Sammy Hagar in the middle of the decade. Had a number one record with 5150, and I know there's people that call him Sam Halen, Van Hagar, Pop Halen, rock, you know, rock versus pop. You call whatever you want. 
5150, OU812, all those albums with Sammy were great too. And they were going in that direction. People want to, t- want to blame Sammy for bringing the keyboards into Van Halen. Listen to 1984. It was already there. Eddie was already doing it. I'll wait. Jump. It was already coming. Even It even touched on, on the Cradle of Rock. I think there's some keyboards on that too. And then with Diver Down, there's some keyboard elements on those songs. So it was coming. They were evolving into that band. I don't know what they would have sounded like with, with David Lee Roth with keyboards, but it was coming. But you can't take away anything from Van Halen 1. The songs on Van Halen 1, the just the impact it had on music. If you want a, a great read, if you want to read a great book, Greg Renoff's book, Van Halen Rising, is a tremendous read. It gives you the history. It gives you all that was happening prior to that album. From Gene Simmons to playing the parties in Pasadena and up and down the Southern California coast. How Daly Roth got in the band. How much Eddie practiced. The reputation he was building as a guitar player. It's a great read. I highly suggest you read it. I highly suggest you, you you pick it up and you, I mean, you've got nothing to do right now. You're under quarantine. Check it out. I, I'm really looking forward to reading his new book with Ted Templeman, who produced the first album, who in Greg Runoff's book states that he was considering replacing David Lee Roth with Sammy Hagar at that time. But anyway, folks, give it a, Another listen, give it a spin, enjoy it like you were 10 years old, 13 years old again. The classic album Rewind, Van Halen won, one of the best, in my opinion, the best debut albums of all time. Such a powerful, powerful record with powerful, powerful music. Changed the game of rock and roll. And that is our album for the second episode of Classic Album Rewind. Y'all take care of each other. Stay safe. Stay healthy. We'll talk again soon. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. 
Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 